Hello, everyone, and welcome to the three-episode rule. The three-episode rule. That was pretty good. For some reason, I imagined the law and order chung chung after that. Dunk dunk. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that sometime. Ooh, maybe we should watch Law and Order. Although, wait, I like Law and Order. Do you not like Law and Order, or do you like Law and Order? I have no opinion of Law and Order. I would watch it when it was on, and I wouldn't understand. Like, I don't know. I have no, I have no like nor dislike of. Law and Order. I mm. see. I like it, but I don't know if I'm a, a super into it. I don't know if it'd work for the whole thing that we got. Mm. I don't know either. Oh well. Oh well. We're here. We're here to talk about Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yep. Another star property in which you like. Yeah. So I know I've mentioned on the podcast that I'm a big Star Wars fan, and I've, I think I've also mentioned that I'm a big Star Trek fan. Um, and so last episode we did. In anime, we did. Uh, is that, am I using that terminology correctly? Yeah. Okay. We we watched. I watched the first three episodes of Death Note, the anime, um, and Josh and I had a conversation about that. And this time, the table has turned, and Josh got to watch three episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation, a show that is very near and dear to my heart. Is it? I didn't know that. Yeah, why? I love that show. Can you ex- care to explain why? Well, so it's a show. Honestly, I didn't really watch it until I got into college. It was always one of those things that I had kind of like, I had seen maybe an episode or two on TV, like flipping through channels, but I never really cared too much about it. I had seen a couple episodes of the original series and thought it was kind of interesting, but, you know, never really thought about it too much. And I don't really remember what sort of possessed me to watch multiple episodes in college, but I did. It was like one of the first things that I discovered kind of on my own, like with nobody was like, Hey, you should watch this. I kind of just ended up watching an episode and I was like, Oh, maybe I'll go watch this from the beginning. And I did, which is not necessarily what I recommend doing for this (laughs) show. But, um, pretty soon I had watched it all the way through. And then I ended up watching Star Trek deep space nine and Star Trek Voyager and then I did it all over again. And now the next generation specifically is an episode that I will, or is a series that I will sometimes just pick random episodes and uh, watch because I think it's very comforting. And also it's one of the shows where I feel like the, this is going to sound very dorky, but I do mean it p- pretty genuinely. Like there are lessons and like characters in the show that I legitimately like look up to and think are great role models. And that's been, I don't know, very helpful for me and, some facets of my life, mm. uh, which I'll talk more as we kind of talk more about specific episodes. Mm. But um, so, Josh, we had I had you watch three different episodes. I did. We did not do what we do with the anime, where you watch like the first, second, and third episode. Because um, with Star Trek, kind of as a rule, the first two seasons are generally <laughs> garbage. Okay, for every series, I think maybe not the original series, but I have. I have not seen the original series all the way through, and I doubt that there's any 
hardcore Trekkies who listen to this, so I don't, I'm not worried about them coming after me. Yeah. But also I'm not scared of anybody who is a hardcore <laughs> Trekkie, so <laughs> myself included, which would be weird if I was scared of myself, I guess. But so I instead- Is that a Star Trek episode? I'm not afraid of myself. Yeah. Maybe. Could be. I feel like it could be. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I chose three different episodes that I think are all good introductory episodes and also kind of give you a feel for like what you can expect from other Star Trek episodes, but also give you an idea of what the characters are like. And then one of them that I think is just genuinely fun and mm-hmm. a good episode. I will say that this was a very well curated list of three episodes. Good. I'm glad. Just right off the bat, I had a great time watching these. Really? I did. Wow. Okay. Did you think I wouldn't like it? I was nervous that you wouldn't. Like oh, okay. It. I mean, like, I have, like, it's not that I don't like Star Trek. I just don't seek it out. Of course. And I feel like every time I've tried to get into Star Trek, it just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I just, I just can't really do it. But I did enjoy watching these episodes. And, you know, I, I, because it's like so popular. And it just kind of like permeates into, you know, daily life, at least for like my life and how much time I spend on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it didn't, I didn't feel too lost about like who some of these characters were either. Cause like, oh, okay. Like I've seen, I've seen all these characters somewhere. Right. I may not know exactly who they are or like any, you know, hard and fast details about them, but I get like the general picture about who who they who the cast is mm-hmm. so um but i also feel like even if you didn't really like who the characters were i feel like was not necessarily important for these episodes either no like you didn't you didn't even have and any information that you would need is pretty explicitly you 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 could you could make that conjecture through their dialogue right like, about, th- like these ones all pretty much have like and especially because Star Trek is a show where it's like episode by episode, not necessarily uh, yeah. serialized storytelling. They would, you might just catch an episode, you know, when it was airing. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. they're pretty good about explaining stuff as oh, yeah. it was happening. Yeah, this definitely lived in the era of episodic television where there was no, there was not necessarily an overarching narrative that was told in an episode format. Right. You just had like, your blank of the week. Mm-hmm. And you you might have some like overarching themes. Um, like we'll talk about one pretty early on um, that it, that does come through to the whole series and movies and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, well, should we get into the first episode that I had you watch? Yeah. Um, real quick. I was not expecting these like when they were airing on TV, I was not expecting them to be an hour long. Oh, really? No, I thought they were going to be half-hour episodes. Oh, that's very interesting. I had no idea that Star Trek was an hour-long block. Yeah. Like, I remember watching the original series just, like, during the summer because it was syndicated just, like, on TV and I had nothing better to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I think those were half-hour episodes. So I just, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're hour-long as well. Really? I think so. Oh, well, maybe I just... Well, let me, let me look. I can look on kid. Netflix and... Uh, see um i did i mean i don't know i did watch so the original star trek episodes that i did watch were syndicated on what i can only describe as an old person's channel it was called me tv and it only played like shows from the 60s so like original star Star Trek. trek uh i remember they 
frequently would play like uh, the Andy Griffith show. I love Andy Griffith show. That show rules. They only played TV for old people. Was Diagnosis Murder on there? Because I think this show, this channel would have been perfect for me if they did. Uh, I don't quite remember. I want to say that they played shows that were for old people and probably also relatively inexpensive to license. That makes I don't sense. know where Diagnosis Murder fits on that scale, but that's my guess because it was... Um, Ooh, because it was it was around the time that television switched from analog to digital, and so we got some more channels through like digital TV, and I think they were on like the same frequency as like PBS or something. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that actually meant any affiliation with PBS or if that was just coincidence that they were on like the same channel, quote unquote. But anyway. Hmm. How long was uh, original Star Trek? They were an hour long. Oh my god! Wow. It, it wow. looks like they were exactly fifty minutes, according to Hulu. Hmm. So All right. They, I think those were probably even longer than the Next Generation episodes. These ones were forty-five. Yeah. Fifteen minutes of commercials. Unbelievable. I know. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. What people used to put up with. Yeah. Anyway, let's uh, start with the first episode. You yes. had me watch. So the first episode that Josh watched is uh, an episode from the second season. Um, which is called The Measure of a Man. And this one is about Data uh, basically deciding whether or not Data is a robot who is owned by Starfleet or if he is a sentient being on his own. I do have the Netflix episode description here. Data resigns his com- Data resigns his commission rather than being dismantled for examination by an inadequately skilled scientist. Mm-hmm. And uh, a fun thing about the Netflix descriptions of Star Trek episodes is they are notoriously bad, although this one's pretty good. Okay. Most of the time, though, it is usually like somebody watched the first three minutes of the episode and writes the description solely based on that. I feel like that's also fine, right? It it is helpful in some ways. Yeah, because like I wouldn't want the whole premise of the episode in the the description, Mm -hmm. but like an idea of like, oh, this is how the episode starts. Yeah. You know, and I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like the I did write down the the descriptions for each episode, and I feel like they were all fine. Good, good. I there are some that are like totally wacky, and I honestly skipped when I watched it the first time through. Mm. And I then I when I went back and watched it a second time, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch them all this time. And there were some that I was like, oh, damn, this one's really good, and it's nothing like what it described. I feel like the thumbnail for the episode is more misleading or distracting than the description is. Oh, yeah. I don't even remember what the thumbnail is for this one. I don't either, but there was one later that did. That is weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I we, so I watch these on Netflix, um, and I do <laughs> – every single one had a rating of TV PG for fear and sex. Yes. That is the – I noticed that last night. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Especially for this first episode. There is no fear and no sex well, I guess maybe there's some there's a little, there's a little there's fear. some sexy dialogue. That that's true. I forget about that part. It, there's a little weird part. But anyway, what, let let's get into it. I just yeah. got the Wikipedia uh, sure. plot pulled up here. So while the Enterprise is visiting Starbase, also I'm going to assume everybody has kind of that general pop culture knowledge of Star Trek. Like I think that what the Enterprise is stuff like that. Uh, while the Enterprise is visiting Starbase 173 for routine maintenance, cyberneticist. Commander Bruce Maddox comes aboard to pay a visit to Lieutenant Commander Data. And Data is- Is that how the the description starts? Because that's not how the episode starts. Oh, this is how the description starts. Remind me of the very beginning. 
it, the beginning starts with them playing poker. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the poker Yeah, scene. so uh, Data and a handful of the other Enterprise crew are all playing poker. And this is th- this honestly pulled me out of just like suspending my disbelief for a little bit. Really? Because the idea of Star Trek is that like it takes place in a utopian future, right? Mm-hmm. Where like, you know, you have things like the holodeck. You have things like uh, the the replicators. The replicator. But for some reason, and I guess maybe it's to fit the atmosphere, but I just still can't get over just like they're on the Enterprise, like, you know, uh, a well-known commanded ship within Starfleet for the Federation. And they're just playing in like what looks like a broom closet. <laughs> it is the dingiest looking room. <laughs> like it has... I can only imagine that for this to really fit the model of the Enterprise, that it was specifically built to look like 20th century poker, like on television. <laughs> There's no other way that this room would exist on this ship other than for that specific purpose. Well, you, in Star Trek, you will find that like they they do sometimes do things where they're like, this is what it was like in 20th century Earth because they had so many ac- so, such easy access to so many sets and stuff mm-hmm. from that period yeah. of time. But the thing is, what this this wasn't specifically pointed out. No, you know, no, so it it's was just li- like they they are supposed to be in somebody's quarters, just with like a, a old green felt poker table. I just couldn't get over just like I can't believe that they're playing in a room like this in the future. On an expensive spaceship. Yeah. You know? And they, this it, actually is a thing that comes back in many future episodes, like the crew playing poker together. Mm-hmm. Like they, that's a, a big, not a yeah. big thing, but a, a little thing that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're all playing poker and then Data is just a little bit confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, he understands like the, the face value rules of poker, but yeah. not like the the subtle intricacies of why you would do certain things. Mm-hmm. Bluffing is very confusing to him and mm-hmm. everything like that. Also, someone just has the this is kind of a thing that I have with also some Star Trek stuff. Just like again, taking place in like a utopian future or whatever, where things are just for the most part figured out. Mm-hmm. The dumbest fucking wine glass I have ever seen. Oh, I don't even remember the wine glass. But it take, they, uh, imagine, <laughs> imagine a party hat, will you? Uh-huh. Just a normal cone that comes to a point. And then just elongate the party hat a little bit so it kind of looks like a champagne flute. But keep that, keep that point there and then just put a disc on the bottom. <laughs> it's like, what happened? Why did we change wine glasses? What happened? I know. There, there are weird things like that, like, in multiple episodes, too, you can see, like, this weird chessboard that they have, which is, like, a chessboard, but for some reason, it's got, like, four different levels. And sometimes the characters will be playing it on screen, but they never mention how to play it or something like that. And it's like, why Why did you need to change chess? Right. Like, this is weird. I bet some nerd has come up with a way to play it, though. Oh, they absolutely have. Um, it's like, this yeah, they- <laughs> not a thing that needed improving. It does happen... One other time in this episode, and then once in the next episode that we'll talk about, or I'm just like, why did you change the design of something that worked perfectly fine? Yeah. Which sometimes that does happen. It does. Life, yes. But, but uh, <laughs> it does seem especially good. From like a practical standpoint, though, it's like this makes no sense. Yeah. But maybe it's because we're living in only the 21st century. Yeah. Maybe there's a perfectly valid reason why they changed wine glasses. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, so after this, it, yeah. So then they check into Starbase, um, and then there is a scientist essentially who wants to. Uh, he wants to run a procedure on Data, 
um, in which Data would have his memories removed and dump it, dumped into a bigger memory core. Um, and then the scientist would take the memories out of the memory core and put them back into Data, which is, I don't know why he wants to do that, but that's the pretty well, I much, think he explains later. Well, I mean, kind of. But yeah. But essentially, he just wants to experiment on Data. I do have a big, question. Yes. And it, this isn't like a rhetorical question. I'm actually looking for an answer. Um, what is like... Is data an anomaly? Is he the like what's why what's so great about him? Is he the only one? Because again, it's hard for me to imagine like you can build a spaceship that can travel light years away and make a replicator, but then you can only have one data. Like, is he what's so special about him? Yes. Yeah, so data is an anomaly. He was created by a doctor, Doctor Nooney and Soong, and he. Uh, in the first season, they kind of go about, they tell you how data, they found data. So they literally found data on this planet by himself. He's like a C-3PO. Kind of like a C-3PO. He moves Um, like him sometimes. A little bit. He's got like the weird head movements. Yeah. He's got like a, so like the most sophisticated, um, Android brain basically that any Android has ever done. And like Noonie and Soong, like a lot of people thought he was crazy because he kept trying to invent robots over and over again and they would fail. Um, and so then he like went to this one planet with a bunch of colonists just solely so he could basically be like, I'm going to put my head down and only work on androids. Um, and then it turns out you find out in the first season that, uh, data was not actually the first robot made essentially. Mm. Um, he has a brother quote unquote named lore who was a slightly more perfect version of data in that he could actually like feel emotions. Mm hmm. Except he's evil. <laughs> <laughs> of course he is. Which is kind of goofy. Um, but so they had lore disassembled and then he made data and he made data. He didn't give him the ability, ability to feel emotions yet because um, he didn't want him to turn evil, I guess. Mm, okay. Um, and he like, fit, he, there's like some like subtle changes and stuff too. Should have taken a hint from Krusty and installed an evil switch. Yeah, exactly. Flip that off. Flip so it on, flip it off. Yeah. Um, but so basically then, you know, Laura gets taken care of or whatever. He's not around at this point. Um, so yes, Data is the only living or living quote unquote Android like himself. Um, so if, as Data says, like if something were to happen to himself, you know, be shit out of luck, there'd be no more Datas. Okay, cool. Because Data is worried that the scientist Bruce Maddox uh, is not skilled enough or his plan is not good enough to... Uh, do his procedure. He thinks that he's going to take out his memories, put them back, but he'll, he'll still have the memories, but he thinks that he'll lose the nuances of Mm -hmm. those memories. This is slightly unrelated. Mm -hmm. um, But like the, the language that Maddox used to describe the procedure was pretty vague, which is why, which is why it all kind of led to this. Like he, he wasn't quite sure about his procedures. Mm -hmm. I was listening to a podcast earlier today and there was an ad for some sort of medication and it was like, you know, like one of those like dumb cutesy kind of ads where they have children talking about the medication. And it's I just it sounds so dumb when you have children reading off a list of side effects. Anyway, the the ad cuts into like, you know, like the pleasant woman speaking. And at one point she says, like the, the name of like the name of the like medication. Or like the the specifics of the medicate of how the medication works is not known. What? I'm like, wait a minute! You put this in an you put this in an ad. I'm sure you have to disclose it, but like, why did 
you're not it, that, what? That's a wild thing to say. I know. Can you imagine? Just like, I guess I'll, hey, doc, can you prescribe me this medication to which the specifics of how it operates is not known? <laughs> that's insane. But like that, this, that ad just kind of reminds me of just like this whole thing. I was like, well, we'd like to do this, but we don't know how. We don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah. The specifics of how we'll extract the, da- the data from data is not known. Um, but yeah. So. Data does not want to become a part of this um, because he has his reservations. And so Data uh, says, no, I, I don't want to do that. And then so Maddox uh, gets Data transferred under his own command because Maddox works at the Starbase. Um, and so his plan is to get Data under his own command so he can order Data to undergo this procedure. And so rather than do this, Data decides to resign from Starfleet. Uh, much to the dismay of Captain Picard, who is one of my my favorite characters in pretty much everything. Um, he is, he gets like a little more. He is kind of a as the his antagonist in this episode calls him a bit of a pompous ass, mm-hmm. um, but he gets a little bit more well rounded um, throughout the series. And Patrick Stewart just does an amazing job, especially when he he's given like a good storyline to like act with. Mm-hmm. Like truly, one of my leadership role models is. Captain Picard, as stupid as that kind of sounds. No, I think from what I've seen, I think that's uh, that's fine. Yeah, I think it, I think it's fine to ask, like, what would Picard do? Mm-hmm. And uh, it has helped me sincerely in a few a few situations. Mm. I definitely did not bring him up in those situations, but I thought <laughs> about it. Um, so Picard doesn't want Data to resign because he's a he's like one of the best officers in like Starfleet. Like he's a superhuman. He's super strong and he's super smart. And, um, he's like one, not one, he's been given like so many medals for his actions in Starfleet specifically. Um, so Picard's like, uh, oh, you're like my best officer. I don't want you to resign from Starfleet. So he goes to, I think it's the commander of the station. I'm not really sure what her role She's is. She's a JAG something. Yeah. I don't know what that was. I so. think it's just like military court, I guess. Cause Starfleet is kind of a military esque yeah. operation. Um, kind of like the Navy almost. And so he says, like, hey, I want you to look at this case. I'm bringing this case to you about how it should be um, against the rules for Data to have to submit to this thing. And so she— And I don't don't think it's necessarily important to the plot, but I guess Picard and and this lady, I don't remember her name, had a thing. Yeah, so they uh, were—it's alluded to that they were romantically involved— until she prosecuted, or no, court-martialed Picard. What is court-martialing? I think it's just like military court. I guess we could look it up. That seems kind of important because he was bitter about it. Yeah, well, I think it's basically like him being prosecuted for something that happened when he was a captain on a previous ship. Like some some bad stuff happened and she, yeah, prosecuted him and he did not like that. Yeah, it's military court. Yeah, so Picard does not like this lady. So he he goes to her and as a favor, he's like, hey, will you please like look at this case and see if you can stop it? And she looks through it and she decides that, um, no, she's not going to stop it because she's like, no, Data's a robot. I don't care what happens to him. Um, and so then Picard says, well, I would like to bring this like to trial, I guess. And so then she says, well, you can do that, except I don't have any, because the Starbase, I guess, is just foreign. Like it's new. It's a new Starbase. So she says, but I don't have any JAG officers here. So there's nobody to act as lawyers. So you're going to have to be a lawyer for Data, like his defense lawyer. 
And he says, great, I'd love to do that. I'm Picard, I can do anything, I'm super smart, and I'm very eloquent. He doesn't say that, but that's what I always think about <laughs> when he gets that chance. Like, he's thinking that for sure. Mm-hmm. She's like, but that means that we need a, like, prosecuting officer. So that's going to be your first officer, Commander Riker. Which I don't understand why it had to fall to the next highest person. Was it the next highest person on that ship? It it must have been. Like, they must be the two highest ranking officers. Because that makes around. absolutely no sense. <laughs> no. It's important to the plot, but it doesn't make any sense at all. Like, it should, like, why? It is important that it would be, that it would be Riker, but, like, you couldn't have found the highest ranking officer on the base already to act as a prosecuting. My theory is that there is no like Riker outranks them or something like then that. Then find the person that's <laughs> find the person that's highest on that base that isn't on the inner. <laughs> like I was so confused. And eventually I just like, whatever, I'll just accept this. I'm not gonna think about this too hard, which yeah. is probably for the best. But like to me that makes absolutely no sense. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> why wasn't it why wasn't it flipped? Yeah. You know, like it just seems to have no reason to why like, well, you're the captain. So that means you're the defendant's lawyer. And I guess whoever's next is the prosecuting. Like what? Yeah. Make whatever. So Riker finds this out and he says, "Uh, no, I'm not going to prosecute data because he's my friend and I think he's a sentient being. And then she says, well, if you don't prosecute him, I'm going to summarily rule in Maddox's favor and data has to undergo the procedure. And so Riker literally has to prosecute Data at this point or else he's sentencing, sensen- potentially sentencing him to mm-hmm. death. And he has to do it in earnest. Yeah. She's like, if I sense for even a second that you're not like serious about this, I am going to rule in his favor, which is pretty like hardcore. Mm-hmm. Like, that is an intense uh, situation to be in. So then we're, we move on to the courtroom scene. Well, before that. Oh, sorry. I, I love how you, well, I've I, seen this I many have, times and then I Well, I just have notes. Happens. Like, I, I think it's, I mean, it makes sense, right? That you just like kind of know what the beats of the episode. But mm-hmm. I just have notes about some of the dumb stuff that I saw. Yeah. Um, Which there is a lot of in a lot of Star Trek. Because it, going back to just like, why did you change this thing? <laughs> it cuts to a scene, I think right after this, at least it's the next thing that I wrote, um, of Data uh, after he has chosen to resign, he's packing up his his quarters, and he has an incredibly small plastic duffel bag. Oh, the duffel that he bags. can fit three things into. It's so like what what happened to normal duffel bags? Why does he have this small plastic duffel bag? I think about that a lot because those appear throughout the series, and it's so funny. people will sometimes put clothes in them. Data, yeah, puts like three loose things in it, like he's like he a puts kid like, running away from home. Yeah, he puts in he puts in like, well, it it shows up later, so I don't know if that was a deliberate thing or if he's just like. I guess I can only fit my medals, this picture, and this hologram. I guess that's all I'm putting in here. I, I think it is supposed to just be like a Chekhov's gun situation where they're just like, these things are important. Yeah. So notice them now and they will be brought Probably, up. Probably. But, <laughs> but it is it, silly. It, mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't make sense. It's like, it, they always look uncomfortable. And I always think when people are like picking them up and carrying stuff, it's like, it would be so much more comfortable if you just had a cloth duffel bag mm-hmm. like normal people use now. Yeah. And then, so, so during this scene, Maddox approaches, he like enters Data's quarters. Um, he doesn't knock. He doesn't knock, and then Data's like, normally you would fucking knock. Yeah. Um, my my favorite, one of my favorite things about Data that I didn't realize until somebody pointed it out years after I'd watched the show is like, his big thing is that he wants to be human. He wants to feel emotions. 
But Data often has like, he he basically feels like he acts and says things mm-hmm. where people are like, oh, you robot. But no, he's like, no, he's just feeling right now. You guys, do you not notice this? Like mm-hmm. he clearly was mad. Yeah. And that's not poor acting on Brent Spiner's part, the actor who plays Data. No, he's like, Data is constantly like being human and mm-hmm. just, it's just being human. And I don't know. It, it, it always just kind of like straddles like the, the, the stereotypical no emotion sci-fi character, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, like if you think about like Spock, it's not logical to not knock on the door, you know, mm-hmm. it just kind of reminds you that, but it's also just like, why the fuck didn't you just knock? Yeah. That's what everyone else does. Why didn't you knock? And he's just annoyed by the fact of that. During this time is also when Maddox learns that uh, Data has resigned. Because uh, mm-hmm. Data's like, I'm not under anyone's command. I've resigned. Sucker. Yeah, which <laughs> and is... that goes back to pack his stuff. Pretty satisfying. Mm-hmm. And then I don't quite remember what happens after this. Well, um, basically, I, Maddox, I think, changes his... Or maybe he. this is before the courtroom. It might have been he, before the courtroom. He uh, is like, well, you can't resign because you're actually Starfleet's property. And you're just a robot. And we can do whatever we want with you, whether you resign or not. Mm-hmm. There's a conversation between Data and Maddox that, like, again, just it, it's, it's certain things that just kind of, like, pull me out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, just given the context of what I know about the world of Star Trek... Um, because he's talking to Data about, and trying to convince him, like, this is why it's important for me to take you apart and, like, dismantle you and, like, learn about you. And he claims that by not studying Data, progress in robotics, engineering, and cybernetics will come to a halt, which I can't help but, like, are you fucking kidding me? Again, yeah. you've built all these incredible things. One man built this, and your entire team within Starfleet cannot, over time match like the intellect of one man yeah like i just find that so hard to believe right like it makes maddox look like a big baby it really does like fucking then do better mm-hmm. he's like well it, it'll be harder then it's like, oh my which God. i think they must have like somebody in the studio must be like well we got to make sure that nobody likes this maddox guy. probably right it's like ah I, I i get the merits of wanting to like study You know, like, we can learn from this thing, but also just, like, to make such a bold claim of, like, if we don't take you apart, we will learn nothing for the rest of eternity. Mm -hmm. Is just like, all right, get a a hold of yourself. Well, does he, like, the only argument I could find is, like, or I could think of, and maybe he even says this, but I don't remember, um, is, like, if something happens to you on these various missions because you've almost been killed, this ship almost gets destroyed seemingly every week, like... I don't think he actually mentions anything about that. That would be the... Best argument I have. Yeah, right. Like, you could be lost so easily. Like you're in these precarious situations almost every day. Mm-hmm. Like that's why we need to do this. Yeah. But he never says that. No. Um, and then I right about or right before um, it cuts to the the courtroom scene. I think we see Riker on the Enterprise, and he asks the computer for like schematics of data. Mm-hmm. And I just love the little hologram of data that they have because it's it, it looks just like a little squished little man. Beep, beep, beep. Like you take a normal beep, beep, beep. man, like take like you know, and then like in Photoshop, just kind of like make him short. Like I don't, maybe people listening might have, but I don't know if you have seen um, like the the tall like the short Keanu meme. I have not seen that. There's when when Keanu was on stage doing something for Cyberpunk like a few years ago, um, when he did the whole like you're breathtaking, 
someone took a picture or took like a screen cap. Are the lights flickering in here? Uh, they were. Okay. Um, I don't know why. Because my battery backup tripped. Whoa. Um, anyway. Uh, Short Keanu. Yeah. So someone took like a screen cap of Keanu Reeves, just like standing up and then just like shortened, like flattened him and made him short. And that hologram was looked just like that. It's like there is no way this is data because the legs are so small, and he's a tall guy. There is so I told you about lore. Uh, yeah, this is very much a sidetrack, but uh, <laughs> in they so they used to release like VHS copies of like the episodes, right? Yeah. So there'd be like two episodes on a VHS tape mm-hmm. on the episode that introduces lore. Like, of course, when they filmed the episode, like they have just Brent Spiner playing two characters. But they had to have a double, right, for, like, the certain takes. Um, and so it was just, like, clearly a guy who kind of looks like Brent Spiner dressed as Data. And on the back of that VHS tape is literally just Brent Spiner Data and then random guy lore, like, <laughs> who looks n- nothing like him when you, like, he's wearing the same makeup and has, like, a wig on, but he's, like, taller and has a totally different face. That's really funny. And it's, like, whoever did that just was, like, the dumbest person. You couldn't find a picture of... <laughs> like, from the episode? Like, yeah. just take a picture or something right? like that? But no. So, um, and also the thing, the other thing that I didn't quite understand was like, he's looking at the schematics and he like, he just kind of has like a little, <laughs> I found it. Like, I don't understand what that was supposed to be. Cause it doesn't really come into play. I don't believe it does. Well, I think what he found was data's off switch. Oh, is that what it was? Cause that's his big. So when we, well, I guess let's move ahead to the, to I the thought trial. it was like, Oh wow. Look at that. Data has a heart. I thought that because the, there's like a little red like thing and it shows right where the heart is. Yeah, I, I think I, like, I guess data has a human heart, which is why they're going to use that argument that he's a human. That's what I thought. No, but he uh, I think it's his off switch. OK, that's my assumption. I don't know for sure. That's a fine assumption. But yeah, so they go to to court and then Riker is, you know, is asked to give his like argument essentially. So Riker makes like this big grand um, speech about how Data is just like a mechanical robot. Like he takes off his arm at one point and he's like, see, which honestly, this is a scene that I did not remember and it took me out of it. The fact that Riker easily just like goes and like twists Data's arm like a teensy little bit and pulls his hand off. (laughs) You don't think that that might happen in some sort of combat situation? I know, right? Like supposedly you have to be prepared for all sorts of things, but not somebody coming up to your arm and going, just a little twist, count, a little t- clockwise twist and then pull. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I thought that was such a goofy, a goofy scene. Also it was kind of gross too. When his arm came off? Just like when he was holding his arm and then it like kind of like he started jerking off with it. I didn't like that. Yeah. It's like, I, that seems like a little far. <laughs> it really, well, now we know why Riker brought the lotion to the hearing. <laughs> <laughs> um, before that, uh, Riker asks Data, like, how much capacity is in your brain? And then when I went to Google it, apparently everyone was wondering, like, how many, how much is 800 quadrillion bits? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 88,000 terabytes for anyone out there interested. I don't know what that means either. A terabyte is 1,000 gigabytes. So is that a lot? No. I really? Mean, is Data's brain a lot? Yeah. I don't think it's a lot by today's standards, but at the time, definitely. Okay, okay. Like I think the idea I knew it was a, supposed to be a lot, but oh, okay. I just didn't I th- know if it actually was. Okay, I thought was. you were asking like, is a thousand terabytes a lot? Like in general, I'm like, yeah, of course it's a lot, but in the context of the show, I don't know what it's like in like the Star Trek universe. But at the time, I don't think a petabyte was even conceivable. 
and a petabyte is 10,000 terabytes or something or 100,000. Okay. So he's like eight petabytes. Uh, he is, yes. I don't, I don't really remember a ton of the little details. I was just curious. Like, I, I it did occur to me like when you said that. 800 quadrillion bits. How much, how and fucking I, much is that? So like. I wondered if you were going to actually ask about that when I saw that. I was like, I wonder if Joss is going to ask about that. And I did not look up how much that when was. When you look it up, Google auto fills it just like 800 quadrillion bits to terabytes or 800 quadrillion bits to terabyte Star Trek, 800 quadrillion <laughs> bits data. Yeah. So like it, it just, everyone just already has Googled that. Um, anyway, continue. Yeah, so then Riker goes through his uh, big speech and uh, basically trying to prove that Data is a robot. Um, and then at the very end, he says, look, if he wasn't a robot, could I do this? And he just like presses his off switch and turns him off. He Again, just slumps right over. can't believe it. Why does he have an external off switch? It comes to play occasionally in oh. certain episodes. But why? <laughs> why, would you, why would you build such an obvious flaw? Well, I think maybe because of evil lore... They gave him the big off. Oh, okay. That's a guess. They don't really ever explicitly say. You know, that. I would that I will take that as a sound argument. Like, if you need to turn them off, you got to be able to turn them off. Right, because there you there know, are it's, times it's your, where data goes hay- haywire. Of course, it's your contingency plan. You got to be able to turn them off. Okay, yeah. that Which makes sense. Pretty smart, because I mean, if you're going to be building a robot and you don't know what's coming, mm-hmm. it better have an off switch. If one, if they it's go one, evil a lot, if it's one that can like bend metal like he does yeah which at one point yeah Riker gives him like this strong strong metal he's like this is what like the Enterprise is made out of and he's like Data can you bend that and he goes super easy like Superman Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I think I think now knowing about his (laughs) evil twin brother um, the the switch makes a lot more sense yeah Um, so then after that Picard is kind of uh, disheartened He's asked like, for a recess. Yeah, he like puts his head in his hands and is basically like, oh fuck. How can I compete with that? Um so he goes and he talks to Whoopi Goldberg. Goes to the bar and he talks to Whoopi. Who is a regular character on Next. I was Generation. gonna ask because she shows up in another episode. Yeah. She is there just throughout the whole series. Wow. Just a bartender, which is awesome. I love I love Whoopi in this show. And she just does like the classic bartender thing. She gives advice to people who are there hanging out. Um so she Talks to Picard about uh, slavery, essentially, mm-hmm. and literally. Yeah, she just mentioned slavery. And so, um, which is kind of a, a nice moment. Like, even just, it's kind of progressive for like an 80s show, I feel like, to have, yeah, I guess it's 90s more so, but just a black character being like, you know, remember slavery? I, pretty- yeah, no, I, I you know, I, I that. I don't quite know what the word like. I caught on that too. It's like, oh, very interesting. Yeah, like they Star Trek is a really progressive show too, and like they, for the most part, and they, it's. I think it was good that they acknowledged it and kind of talked about it, because mm-hmm. um, they do often acknowledge like humanity's mistakes in general, and so it's nice that they're acknowledging it in in the show, like by name. I wonder what other kinds of like sci-fi have touched on that idea too, because it's it's. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's it's showing up a lot more. Like, there's a whole video game about it. Detroit Become Human. The whole thing is about, like, people have created a bunch of androids and, like, do these androids have rights? Are they people? But I wonder, like, what the progenitor of this idea was. Yeah. I mean, it probably goes back to, I mean, I've never read It's got to be a book. Have you read iRobot? No. I I bet they touch on it in that. I mean, I'm sure they do, but I feel like it even, it definitely would predate that, too. Yeah. Because this this episode is older than iRobot. The book? Oh, the, it's a book? 
Yeah, no. Oh, I'm not I talking thought you were talking movie. about the Will Smith movie. No. <laughs> I was like, what? Are you, what? <laughs> no, the Isaac Asimov book. I didn't know it was a book. Yeah, it's. it's I legitimately a, thought it's it was a just a pretty the movie. old book. Um, but so that could have been it. Um, hmm, and I've I've seen the movie iRobot. I haven't. Oh, uh, I like it. Although I was talking to Max recently, and uh, he did not like it. So hmm? I don't know. But anyway, so. Uh, Picard and Whoopi Goldberg, her name is Guinan in the show. Uh, they talk about slavery and Picard's like, oh my God, this is just kind of like a slavery issue um, in some ways. So Picard go, goes back to the courtroom with Data and he asks Bruce Maddox, he's like, hey, what are your like top three criterion for like a sentient being? Well, at first he asks like, does he ask that first or does he ask like, am I sentient? Like, how do you know? Oh, oh yeah, he, yeah. He says, like, am I sentient? He's like, prove it. And then... It's like, how do you know I'm sentient? It's like, because of these three things. Yeah. So he's like, okay, well, let's see if those things apply to data. And what is it? Intelligence, Intelligence self-awareness, self-awareness, and consciousness. Yeah. And so he's like, well, obviously, data's super smart. He's like, fucking no, computer. <laughs> yeah. Nobody can say that data's not smart. And they're like, yeah, of course, data's super smart. And they're like, okay, well, is data self-aware? And then they ask data a lot of questions. Like, what are you, where are you? What are you doing? What's happening right now? Mm-hmm. And like, I think they ask him about like memories and stuff. Like what, what are these metals? Like what do well, they I think mean? that I think Picard starts out with that, right? He starts out, uh, like taking that plastic duffel bag and be like, data, what are these? What are all these things you have here? Mm-hmm. And then he goes right, into right, that right. whole philosophical thing. Because right. he and starts off with asking uh, data on the stand, and then he moves to Maddox on the stand. Right, right, right. Um, and that also, I forgot about one of my favorite parts where they pull out the statue or the hologram of mm-hmm. the, his deceased comrade, Tasha Yar, and data says that they were intimate, which is not like they were good friends. They absolutely fucked. Wow. <laughs> like the second episode. Wow. It's an insane episode. How early? Uh, like in the episode? Nice of uh, that doctor to build a boner into this. Yeah. Well, into in, this in robot? Episode two of season one, uh, Data says, I am fully functional. It's an episode where they all act like they're drunk and Data and this one lady <laughs> have sex. And it is implied and also like, no, it's even more than implied because they're literally like hanging out. She puts on like a sultry costume, a sultry robe, and then says like, Data, can you do everything? And Data says, I am fully functional. And then they end the scene there. So it's like basically, hmm? not even basically, they have sex. Wow. Which is very funny that they did that so early on. You got to get that out of the way. Yeah, that, oh yeah, Data fucks. If you, you want to hook the people on the new Star Trek, you got to give them a reason. You got to know Data fucks. Well, okay then. Um. So I, yeah, I didn't want there to be any, uh, any gray area about that. He has had sex. Great. That is absolutely canon. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then, so they prove that data is self-aware and intelligent. And then Picard's like, and I, I, fuck if I know how to prove consciousness, like how do we know any of us are conscious? And Maddox is like, oh, Chris, that's a pretty good point. And basically this moves, um, the JAG officer and she, rules in Picard's favor. Which, this is always a trope in these kinds of courtroom, debatey kind of scenes in movies and television. I I get the point, but I also feel like the argument didn't have enough substance for him to win. I don't know. I feel like it had... He he does bring up slavery, too, in the thing. 
And I feel like that is almost like a great like white guilt kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Cause I mean, even today, if you bring that up to somebody, you don't want to be the judge who. That is, is like, true. Oh, I uh, enslaved this whole race. Cause that is part of the, I guess we, we didn't touch on that, but part of the argument too is like, you know, if, if, if we were to let Maddox take data, you know, cause data is an anomaly, mm -hmm. but if you were to take data and use him to create a thousand datas, you suddenly have a race of androids. Right. And we're not going to be the, we shouldn't be the ones to set precedence of like, we own these people. Right. But again, maybe it's because I am more of a physical evidence kind of person where it's just like- You were more I, swayed by the beginning part. The Yeah. It's like, it's really hard to argue with what you are seeing, you know, whereas like Picard's argument, you know, while yes, it, it's, it's a good argument, you know, it, it lacks the physicality that me as a person would like to have. Mm, that's interesting. I, I feel the opposite. I, I'm very philosophical and like, I like to think about mm. like the, the logical implications and stuff like that. Uh, Cause I also thought like, well, sure you can turn data off, but I can also hit somebody in the head with a rock and they turn off. It doesn't mean that that's an off switch necessarily, but I think he can, doesn't he mention that? I feel like that sounds very familiar. Does he mention that he might, maybe that's where I got it from. Maybe, but yeah, so then she rules in Picard and Data's favor, and so Data uh, does not resign from Starfleet, and he stays under Picard's mm -hmm. command. And then he also says, uh, and you kind of learn like a little bit more about Data in this. He like says, "Hey Maddox, like I don't dislike you at all, and I would still love to help you with your work because I think it's interesting. Yeah. I just don't want you fucking taking my brain out yeah, of my head. Figure out what you need to do first. Yeah. Um, and then you get the touching scene at the end." Um, at least I think it's touching with where Riker is standing alone in the ready room or mm. no, a meeting room. And he's like looking, you know, in the stars, like thinking and data comes in. He says, Hey, we're having a party. Cause I won. Like, would you join us? And Riker feels bad because he's like, no, I tried really hard to get you to be destroyed essentially. And data says, well, you did that because you had to, like, I know that you did it because otherwise I would have for sure been taken away. Mm -hmm. He's like, so that injured you in a way. So in a way you injured yourself for me. And so Riker's like, Oh, I guess I did do that. Great ending. I think. Yeah. Good ending. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed this episode. It was really nice. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. I, so a thing that I thought of specifically with you is I know that when watching shows or movies, you think, why should I care about this person? And I was like, well, fuck, here's why you should care about data. All these reasons. Yeah, no, I I think throughout all the episodes that I watched, at least like the ones with like Data's a big part of it, I was like, I like this guy. Data's awesome. He's he's might be my favorite character, although Picard and him are like they're like very, very neck and neck. Love both of them. Great. Well, should we move on to the next episode? Yeah, I guess we probably took a lot of time on that one. We really did. <laughs> we, we, we can go a little quicker. Uh all right. So the next episode was season three, episode seven, The, the Enemy. Enemy. LaForge gets left behind on a storm-plagued planet when the rest of his team encounters a Romulan warrior. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, episode starts off uh, with, uh, who is it? It's, it's Riker. Worf and Data. Mm. Or no, not Data, Jordy. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. And they're all exploring. They're, they're, they're on foot on this storm-plagued storm planet. Can you believe it? Yeah. And here's the other thing where I'm just like, I can't, why would you change flashlights? Yeah, they, they do this a lot to make things more future. -y. I know, it's like... They just make them worse. We've created an idealistic society wherein our flashlights now use, uh, you know, 
an uncomfortable wrist movement. Yeah, you have to hold it up like you're showing someone a YouTube video. Yeah, as opposed to the normal flashlight, which is a, a neutral position for your wrist. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, and um, they, they do the same thing with uh, with phasers or their guns. Like guns, like it's comfortable. It's a neutral wrist movement. Yeah. But in the future now they have them, so it's like a flash, like an uncomfortable flash. You know, like put it forward like that. Yeah, what do you like? Extend your arm in a weird way. Yeah, what are you doing? It's like just so it can be different in future. Um, yeah. Okay, so I do have a question. Mm-hmm. Another lore question about Star Trek TNG. Oh, not a question about lore. Data's brother. No, I, a question L O R E. Spelled um, the same way. Well, never fucking. All right. <laughs> Great. Um. Is there anything special about their uniforms? Like, so there is a change. Do you mean color or fit? Like. Because I can tell you about both. I'm talking, like, why would you go down onto this planet? You probably knew that the surface was going to be like this. Why would you go down unarmored? Why aren't you wearing protective gear? Uh, well, they... Is there something about the suits I don't know? No, they're just normal clothes. <laughs> I mean, they're they're not normal clothes, obviously, but they're just fabric. It's They're not extra protective or anything. Especially, like, like it, it comes up later in this episode, and also it's like, wow, it's a good thing we didn't send Data down here. He'd get fucked. Yeah. Why are you unarmed? <laughs> Which I like that because most of the time in most episodes, oh. <laughs> anything could be solved pretty much by being like, oh, Data should do that. <laughs> And then you have no problems. <laughs> but of course, it wouldn't be that interesting if Data just did everything. Um, so, yeah. No, they, yeah, they just, but you will notice that they were wearing really, really tight, like skin tight suits in the second season in The Measure of a Man. And in this one, they've loosened up a little bit. They're more kind of like a bit bulkier and suit like. Oh, I did not notice that. Well, uh, if anybody listening did not notice that or did notice that, it's because apparently those tight ones were so tight that they were like hurting crew members' backs and like hunching them over. <laughs> oh my God. And so they made them looser and then everybody could actually move and stand. Well, great. Yeah, comfortably. Well, that's wonderful that they could move, especially with this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they're on the surface of this planet and storming out. Um, they're they're addressing a distress call or a distress beacon or something like that. Like they, yeah. There's one that shot out. So like, okay, well, let's go and check this out. Um, they go and split up and search and they're like, all right, we have 15 or whatever minutes before beam up. Um, let's split up. Worf, uh, goes into like a little crevice kind of thing and he finds a Romulan, mm-hmm. um, which I Who's unconscious did not know that's what Romulans looked like. And they look fucking goofy. Yeah. They, they are like, it is hard to be intimidated by someone that looks like that yeah. in my, like, no, it's, it's goofy looking, you know, well, like, like given what we know now, right. Maybe, maybe if, you know, however long ago, if, if there really was like a, I don't know, my assumption is that like a, a, a warmongering race of aliens, they're basically like a bunch of evil Spocks. Okay. So they, okay. So they were supposed to look like Vulcan, Spock. Vulcans and Romulans are basically like, Hey, these guys are. Nice. They're like aliens. datas and lores. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. To put cool. it very simply. <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, and that's all you need to know. I just, I, it's really hard for me to feel intimidated by someone who <laughs> looks like this. Basically, they're they're super smart and super strong, and they hate people. They okay. hate humans. All right. And Klingons. Mm-hmm. They're okay. xenophobic. Great. Um, yep. So Worf encounters an unconscious uh, Romulan. Turns out he's not unconscious. He tries to choke him out. 
And and like, Worf just punches him. He just punches face. him in the head. Uh, and he's yelling, it's like, come here, Riker! Come here! Um, find the Romulan. Like, all right, let's fucking get this guy on the ship. Mm-hmm. During this time, uh, Jordy LaForge falls in a hole. He does a Velma Dinkley very, very quickly into this. Is that what, is that her thing? Well, he, his glad his, so Jordy has a visor, which oh, allows him I to Oh, I thought see. you meant falling in a hole, not losing <laughs> his glasses. No, he, he falls in a hole, loses like, his, his I, visor and can't see. I don't know much about Scooby-Doo, but I'm pretty sure it's not Velma's trope to fall into holes. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I did That's notice more of a Daphne thing. I did notice that, like, oh, he's just like feeling around trying to find his visor. Um, and I thought it was <laughs> the funny part is like, I thought it was behind him, but then I was like, oh, that wasn't his visor. <laughs> I thought it was just a completely wrong spot. You would have been looking even longer than he was. Mm-hmm. But yes, and they they have only like a a fourteen minute window where their transporter can transport them through the electrical electromagnetic storm or whatever bullshit they say. Mm-hmm. Um, so it takes up the Romulan, Worf, and Riker back to the ship. Jordy gets stranded mm-hmm, uh, or just left behind yeah. on the planet. And he he passionately cries out to Worf. Are they like good friends? I think, honestly, what I was thinking is because he calls out for Worf and Commander Riker. But he called, I, I just very, like, I specifically, I was also like, typing when this was happening. I was like, wow, he is very passionately calling out to Worf I, instead of. The second in command. Well, I think it's just easier to say Worf than it is Commander Riker. I guess and that's I, a I good wondered, point. I was like, I don't think Riker'd be mad if you just called him Riker, but still, Worf, I think, is just easier to say. That was my takeaway. Okay. Like, Fair. Because I also was like, he's calling out Worf a lot. Yeah, like, but then they, I was like, well, I guess I would too. I would want to be like, yeah. excuse me, sir, Joshua Tyra. I'd rather probably just be like, hey, Bill, Bill, <laughs> Bill, is Bill out there? Yeah. I was just curious, like, is there a history between Worf and Jordy? I don't know. No more than there is between Riker and, and Jordy. Like, they're all, like, pretty close friends, I would say. Okay. And colleagues, but. Yeah, so they uh, beamed up back to the ship, and they get uh, they get that Romulan to uh, the sick bay or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. The hospital area of the ship. Yeah. And then they're like, we got to go get Jordy. Yeah, and then. No, uh, it's not too dangerous. Yeah, it's not safe, and then. Their transporter chief, Chief O'Brien, who actually he uh, kind of gets a spinoff in that he's a main character in Deep Space Nine, a different Star Trek show. Oh. Um, so he he's the Irish guy in there. He's like, no, I can't go through the interference. Is it always an Irish guy? He is. Because in the original one uh, S- wasn't- Scotty. Yeah. Wasn't Scottish. he Irish? He, no, he's Scottish. Oh, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they called him Scotty. No, they called him Scotty because his name is Montgomery Scott. And I think he's also Scottish. Okay. It was the 60s. They were pretty liberal <laughs> back then. All right. Um, but no, uh, yeah. O'Brien is Irish. Okay. Um, Makes sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so he tells them it's too dangerous. And so they're like, well, we'll stay in orbit for a while. Um, and we also got to figure out why the fuck Romulans were here. Mm-hmm. And then they ask the the Romulan, they like get him to wake up for a minute. They're like, hey. What were you here for? Are you alone? And he's like, yes, I was alone. Like, I'm also, not answering your questions. Not telling you But shit. I will answer this one question. And now I'm not answering any more questions. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was pretty funny. And then he gets too tired and he falls asleep. I thought he was trying to force himself like, fuck you. I'm going to knock myself out here. Probably. That's kind of what I... It probably felt so good. I sometimes think about that when people like, at least in TV shows, are like kind of unconscious and they're like, What? But like, man, it probably would feel so good for them to fall asleep right then. Like, 
you know when you're tired and you're like, I just want to close my eyes. Oh, yep. And then you can you can just feel it. Yeah. Like, whole I bet body. it feels so good just to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going back to bed now. Yep. Sure, it feels great. Not minding the <laughs> head trauma. Well, yeah. And then you die usually. But yeah, probably feels great. Um, I think after this, it cuts back to Jordy on the planet trying to like just figure out a way to get out of that hole. Yeah. Which so he, he, so his visor is like, it gives him like a whole different spectrum of vision. So he um, like finds iron, I'm guessing. Yeah. Some sort of metal. Some sort of ore. He finds some sort of ore in like the dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, some nice, seemingly already refined ore. Yeah, in, the, pocketed in, in the dirt and then he like fashions little picks and then uses like a tool in his belt to that's a phaser so he uses the phaser oh. to melt the ore together into yeah into those like picks. little picks and then he starts to climb out of the hole mm-hmm. I boy I the, here's what I wrote about this scene all right use your feet Jordy you're climbing like <laughs> a newborn deer walks I thought about that too like <laughs> just like after I've I've climbed three or four times now, like in a climbing gym. And if you don't use your legs, it is insanely hard. Yeah. Use your feet. What do you do? They're like, just dangling there. Is, is it a thing that... That Jordy can't use his legs? That no. Jordy is just like, you know, he has a weak constitution? No, Jordy is honestly he, kind of the incel of the bunch, honestly. Oh, is he? I... I did not show you those episodes, but I would love to tell you about them. Okay. Well, I mean, I feel like that goes hand in hand with a weak constitution. Yeah. Because he just, this episode, he just seems just like to be a very weak man. Yeah. Just like, use your feet. What are you, what are you doing? Well, he he's like super smart in some ways. And then in other ways, it's like, oh, uh, yeah, just never mind. Didn't use your feet. All right. Mm-hmm. Whatever, dude. Yeah. So he climbs out of the hole and he starts walking. Was it before, I guess around here, um, they try and figure out a way of like, well, how can we get Jordy? Yeah. And so Wesley is like, well, we can do this thing. Wesley Crusher, who is Dr. Crusher's son. Oh, he is. Okay. He, I was wondering like, if they had the same last name. Yeah. He's 14 or 15 or something. And he he has high aspirations to join Starfleet, but he's, I guess, not old enough to get into the academy yet. So he just hangs out and is a an super unpaid genius. intern. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think it was very fun just seeing like, wow, he just, oh, I mean, I mean, it makes sense, but it's like, he just, Will Wheaton has always just spoken the same way. Yeah. He's exactly <laughs> he the doesn't same. change any, any of the ways that he talks. Nope. Um, I've also, this is the first time I've ever seen, like, I knew that he played a character in Star Trek. I have never seen this character. Oh. This is my first time ever seeing Will Wheaton as a child. Interesting. It's pretty fun. Good. I'm, he is kind of. There's a lot of like bro, not even bros, but like Star Trek guys who are like, he's the worst, um, which he has moments where he's kind of obnoxious. He's a kid. He is a kid. So He's a kid on a starship of incredibly intelligent, serious military people. Yeah. And he's also super smart. So it, gonna- it makes sense that he like is the way that he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's just like, we can do this thing with neutrino particles. And it's like, good idea, kid. Yeah, and Picard is immediately like, great, we're doing that. Great, sounds good. Mm-hmm. So they do that thing. So back on the planet, Jordy's just like, all right, where the fuck do I go? And he's like, oh, look, beacons, that's got to be Wesley. And so he like starts to make his way there, and then he gets assaulted. Yeah, another Romulan. Another, it wasn't out. just one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which they do kind of a cool scene where you see like Jordy's feet walking, and then another pair mm-hmm. of feet come up behind him. And, and then, then just like knock him out. Yeah, clocks him. Mm-hmm. Which I, again, just like... These Romulans, man, it's like, I get that he's also injured, but all, he just like, 
his shoulders are put in and he just kind of looks like a little gremlin. Just He's like, a very scrawny dude. He look this second Romulan looks terrible. And the fact that he they all wear like their big puffy gray, like diamond patterned like Yeah, like little, uniforms. little spikes on there. It's yeah. Like, and he look that just not flattering on this guy at all. No. He should be wearing clothes like I wear, like some slim fitting jeans. Yeah, instead instead his Romulan mother thought he would grow into it. <laughs> yeah. So he just looks like a tiny little fit. He really boy. does. Um but he's supposed to be a and I think part of the point too is that he is not he's obviously not a super seasoned no. guy. Because he doesn't really know what to do. And all he can think of to do is he, once Jordy wakes up, he uses his phaser and he's like, hey, or sorry, his disruptor. Romulans use disruptors. The Federation uses phasers. Uh, he has his disruptor and he's like, hey, don't you fucking move or I'll kill you. And Jordy's like, we're in the middle of nowhere, so don't know why you're bothering to do this. <laughs> I I really enjoyed how straight. Jordy just played this whole thing. I was like, mm-hmm. "Come on, dude, what the fuck are you doing?" Let's he, just. He fucking... seems like just like so exasperated. He's he like really making does. fun of him. He's just. <laughs> he's. Like, I loved it. I forget the jokes that he makes, but he he basically yeah, it's just like yeah. I mean yeah, I'm clearly a threat to he's you. He's like, "What's your name?" I was like, "I'm Lieutenant Commander Jordy Forge. I don't think I got your name." Mm-hmm. It's like ah, uh, I just love how straight he is. Just like playing this whole situation. It's what like as as if like the person watching it would probably react. Mm-hmm. Which is what I did. I was like, oh thank God he is saying these things. Yeah, he's not like terrified or anything yeah. like that. He's just like, Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like, like what are you gonna do? Like oh, you're gonna kill me? Great. We're already pretty much dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it cuts back to the ship. There's a lot of back and forth between like stuff on the ship, stuff with Jordy, stuff mm-hmm. with the ship, etc. So cuts back to the ship and um they find like another signal that's like trying that's like transmitting to like, like the same frequency or whatever as the distress signal. Mm-hmm. They intercept and intercept it, find out that it's more Romulans. And so the Enterprise parlays with the Romulan ship and they're like, the fuck's going on here? Yeah. And what so are you guys doing in our space? The the Romulan who is on that ship, who talks to Picard, his name is Tomalak, I think. Mm-hmm. Um and he he has He's kind of a recurring Romulan for the first oh, few seasons. So okay. he, he he was kind of at first they were going to build him up to be like a bigger bad. Um and so they they have interacted before. So that's kind of why they have a little repartee. Okay. Mm-hmm. I see. And so he he kind of says the same lies to Picard. He's like, "No, there was a one-man ship and he just went way off course. Pilot error." Mm-hmm. Um and they talk about the neutral zone in Federation space and Romulan space. And that's because they have like a treaty where there's like this big neutral zone that nobody owns that you're really not supposed to go in, but sometimes they do. And then you're definitely not supposed to go in the other side space. Mm. Uh, And this planet is in Federation space, I believe. I think it is. Yep. So they're like, why the fuck are Romulans here? You'd have to miss an awful lot if you were going to go. Like, wow, like that's a really bad navigational mistake Mm -hmm. for you to make. Um, And Worf is like super pissed about it mm -hmm. during this point. Um, so I think they agree to like meet in the neutral zone. Yeah. Um, to like, all right, well, we'll give you like, tell us your information, tell us the information and we'll give you your person back. Um, the one who they found yeah. and brought back up with, cause they don't know about the second one. Right. Cause they have no communication with Jordy. No. Um, and so here's, 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 here's another one of my hangups that maybe is explained in an episode. Um, Tomalock is like, we'll be there in five hours. And, I was, how does time work? What do you mean? Because an hour is very specific to Earth. 
Oh. You know, so it's like, is is a Romulan saying we'll be there in six hours the same as me saying like, oh, the store is just two kilometers away? Is it like a weird conversion that everyone kind of has to work with? So this is kind of muddy, but basically, so there's a universal translator at play. Oh, okay. Which is kind of basically just magic. Oh, okay. So Romulans aren't even, they're speaking their own language. They're speaking their own language. So I assume they converted it to some sort of Romulan time unit and okay. it just happens to equal exactly five earth hours, <laughs> which is, yeah, it's not a very good, that's, that's it. It's just basically, okay. you just have to not even think about it. <laughs> okay, cool. I mean, I was just curious. <laughs> yeah. No, there, like, there's a lot of stuff like that that is just kind of hand waved away. It's yeah, like, well, like measurements universally of, translated it. Measures of time are just very specifically to earth. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, they agree to meet. I think we cut back to the planet, um, and then, well, maybe this is before uh, a bunch of rocks falls on that Romulan that Jordy is with. Yeah, and he doesn't think to disarm him. Well, I think he's true. Yeah, I mean that I did see at the very least kick his disruptor away and then help him. Yeah, you know, but like this, again, this is me thinking to believe like, boy, Jordy is a very weak, untrained man that he didn't think to just like disarm him first because like he just pointed like his disruptor back at him when they like hoveled into this cave. Yeah. Uh, well, so Jordy is definitely, I mean, he's the chief engineer of the enterprise. Okay. So he's a nerd. Yes, essentially. So he's definitely not a military guy. So in Star Trek, there's enlisted men who are kind of like the pew, pew, pew guys. Mm-hmm. And then there's officers. Jordy is an officer. So he went to school. He went to college for this stuff. Okay. So he's less of a combat guy. He's more of a, I want to fix things kind of guy. Gotcha. So he's not super, he's no Worf or even Riker or even Picard. Like he's definitely not, his head is not there. Okay. Um, but that said, he, he should have known that. Like, yeah, you got knocked out, and then he also pointed the gun at you before. Yeah, I and think he, maybe my only thought, too, is like, well, he's probably just trying to prove, like, see, I am not trying to be a threat to you. I'm not even taking your gun away. We have to work together, which maybe. doesn't really work. So. No. Um, but yeah, so, like, they, they end up taking shelter in this cave uh, where they get to know each other a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they also realize that both of them are just slowly dying. Deteriorating. Yeah. Because neither of them are, even like the warmongering, like, you know, race of aliens doesn't have a, like the kind of contingencies for these kinds of things. No. Which you know? is, is kind of weird. I mean, I think in some, in like Star Trek Enterprise, which is kind of like a prequel series, sometimes there are like army, like Star Trek officers who wear like body armor. Mm-hmm. So just and it, it's just like normal like military armor that people wear now. But yeah, they don't even wear <laughs> wear that. I don't it's, really know why. Yeah, it's like I guess it's more like surprising me for like Romulans, right? Yeah. You, well, maybe that's what that big padded armor is for. Maybe there is. I guess yeah, maybe it just doesn't do it. Maybe this is new to them. Yeah. What each other's about. Finally learns his name. Don't remember his name. Bar 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 uh, sh- bar sh- something. Shies Shazon. No, it starts with a B. Sh- what starts with a B. Bar- well, I think his rank starts with an S, though. Oh, it does. I don't remember what his rank is. Yeah, some Romulan bullshit. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they ba- and they also realize pretty quickly, like, oh, you can barely walk, and I can't see anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because as like the storm gets worse, uh, it messes up the whatever on Jordy's Jordy visor. 
Not like I think it's that the visor is fine. But oh, like, but it's like his connections because it connects to his synapses, and yeah. his synapses are slowly. They're like they're all melting. Yeah, and meanwhile, back on the ship, uh, the other Romulan, like it turns out, he's dying, and they need like extra ribosomes, I think. Yep. Um, to like a donation or a transfusion to bring him back to life. And so Dr. Crusher is like, well, I'm going to go through everybody on the ship and see who has these ribosomes because human ribosomes don't work. Mm-hmm. And it turns out the only other species on the ship whose ribosomes would work would be Klingon. And the only Klingon on the ship is Worf. So we haven't talked about Worf at all yet. Do you no. know much about Worf? I do not. I just know that he is a Klingon. Yeah. So Klingons and humans in the original series, they're like mega enemies. They're mega enemies, dude. Damn. You don't even want to fuck with them. Damn. Um, they're like the big bads. And so it was really big in this one that there is a Klingon serving on the Enterprise. Like that's like a huge deal. Um, and so Worf is like trying to fit into humans. He was raised by humans, um, but his family was killed by a bunch of Romulans. And that's why he's raised by humans and where he is now. So mm-hmm. he hates Romulans. He fucking hates them. And he says pretty much as much. Mm-hmm. And he finds out that he's the only one who can save them. Um, so yeah, he says like, Romulans killed both of my parents, so I don't want to fucking save a Romulan. And Dr. Crusher's like, well, you should save a Romulan. She's like, brings up some very, like, thoughtful points and is like, I mean, these Romulans didn't do it. Like, yeah, right? right. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. I hate Romulans. Yeah. Um, And that kind of gives you a great character introduction to Worf, who's like, not this, I mean, he's pretty smart, but he's also like, he can hold a grudge. He Mm -hmm. holds a fucking grudge like nobody's business. Yeah. Um, and so Picard also tries to convince him. He's like, hey, Worf, I hear you're not going to donate this uh, ribosomes, even though there's no risk to you. What's up with that? And Worf kind of tells him the same thing. And then Picard, um, in one of his great leadership roles, I think, because Worf says, if you order me to do it, I'll do it. Because Worf is, like, one of his things is, too, is he's, like, loyal to his commander. Like, he'll mm-hmm. do whatever Picard tells him to do because he really respects him. And Picard's like... I'm not going to order you to do it. I want you to do it. Yep. I'm just going to ask you to do it. And so Worf's like, well, I'm not going to do it. And Picard kind of upset. He's upset. And he says, all right, then leave. Mm-hmm. And he tells Dr. Crusher to not bug Worf anymore. Yep. Um, and then when he says that, she's like, well, I won't need to because he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> but this this is all after um, Worf talks to him again. Oh, the Romulan. And, I yeah. forgot about that part. Yeah. Now. And just like... I don't. I was typing on typing stuff on my phone, so I don't really remember what the conversation was about. All I remember that it ended with the Romulan saying, "Like I'm not going to have some Klingon filth in me." Yeah. Well, yeah. Worf basically says when he's awake, because I think Doctor Crusher thinks like, "Well, maybe if he sees him, like Worf will have some sort of sympathetic response." But the Romulan wakes up and he's like, "I'm going to kill you, Klingon." Yeah. <laughs> and then like, Worf's like, uh, "I could save your life right now. Like, Just, I'd rather die than have Klingon in me." Uh huh. Like, well, okay. Yeah. Answer Which, that. Part of me kind of thought like, well, maybe Worf's trying to like, because Worf's obsessed with honor. Like that's his whole, and all Klingons are obsessed with that. So I wondered if he's like, well, I wouldn't want a Romulan donating blood to me. So maybe I shouldn't donate blood to this Romulan. But he never says that. Or no, even I'm, hints at that. I feel like he's just all like, well, my choice is already made for me. Yeah, I think he's I don't want to give like, it and he doesn't want you. it. There we go. Problem solved. Yeah. Um, I think we cut back to the ship, right? Or not the ship, the the planet. The planet where they they finally start working together, Jordy. They start working together because, like, at this point, the Romulans just like my legs. I can't, uh, I can't fucking walk. You can't fucking see. It's like, well, how do we like? How do we get out of here? And then Jordy's like, we don't. 
we're just gonna fucking die here, dude. <laughs> yeah. He just gives up. And he even said, like, do all humans give up so easily? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's like, why like why do you just fucking do this thing with your visor, with your fucking little your gizmo. Your giz your gizmo. Quarter, which is just a gizmo. Yeah. Does everything and anything. Uh-huh. And then and then it's, you know, a very tropey, just like, of course it won't work. But I could do this. <laughs> and if I do this, then no, that won't work. But unless Yeah, the, this whole just like dumb set like conversation with yourself about like I, wait, say that again. Yeah. I hate that so much. I I I think I normally do, but I, I have such Star Trek eyes that I will gladly just watch them do whatever. And it is stupid, but I, yeah, I stopped noticing it after a while. Cause it had, it's, I mean, this is where the tropes come from, honestly. It's really? Like, this. like I, the whole idea of like conversing with yourself being like, well, well, if I- well no, I, I just mean like the kind of in some ways, like not this specifically maybe, but like these kind of 80s shows. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know why I have to monologue it. <laughs> just fucking do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like audiences must have been dumber then, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe, honestly. Maybe we were just so attuned to just, like, the subtleties of television now. Yeah. Where, like, we don't, you know. You don't need to spell everything you don't, out. <laughs> yeah. You don't need somebody else to laugh to know when you're supposed to be laughing. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, uh, the Romans, just, like, they, they, they finally, like, compromise. They find middle ground. It's like, like, I can't. Droid is like, I can't do this. I need to, like, fucking see this, dude. And then. Thurman's like, I will be your eyes. Jordan's mm-hmm. like, well, I guess I'll walk you. And then, like, uh, he just Lego pieces all these things together. I do, like, at the very beginning, like, I'm wondering what take it was because he really was just, like, struggling to fit one part into another. <laughs> I, like, I'm pretty sure he was just supposed to do it right away. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure he legitimately could not fit one piece of this prop into the other. Um and I also just thought it was really weird that like Jordy had his arms on his shoulders. Yeah, well, I noticed that too. Like you like it like zooms in and like you see like the Romulan like putting stuff fidgeting. together. Rory, Rory, Jordy, Jordy is telling him what to do. Yeah, and then it zooms out and Jordy is like giving him a back rub <laughs> as he does it. Which I also feel like I've seen that kind of stuff before with someone that like is blind or visually impaired. That like when they are instructing someone, they need to hold on to them for some reason. I don't know if that's a real thing or what the reason is, but I've seen that kind of like visual-ness before. Yeah. And like, but it it makes, it would make more sense to me if it was like a shoulder or like an elbow. I mean, not a shoulder. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Jordy's like right up in there. (laughs) He's just like right behind him, both hands on his shoulders, just like telling him what to put where. Yeah, which maybe he, he's like, well, if I do this, then I can get right in your ear. Otherwise, I don't know where you are. Even though we were to- totally fine understanding each other a yeah. meter apart. And like, it's also different because like Jordy is, he is blind, but also normally he can see. So he he should, I feel like, be a little more out of his element here than he is. Because he immediately reverts to like, this is how I think a blind person would do this. But it's like, well, you're not really a blind person. Yeah. You are a guy who can normally see, and right now you can't. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense. I also don't know what it's like to be blind. So I don't either. Uh, going back to the uh, the previous episode, there is something that we didn't talk about where Data um, is talking about Jordy's eyes, and he mm-hmm. says something about Jordy's eyes being like g- biologically enhanced or something. Do you remember that? In the kind of yeah. yeah. Cause I don't know. Cause like Data's talking with Picard about just like, well, what does it mean to be a robot? Jordy's fucking got robot eyes. But then like, 
I don't know. It just set up weird expectations for when I saw like, oh, wait a minute. Jordy's just actually blind. I thought he had like robot eyes and the visor enhanced those robot eyes. No, he, he's got like installed like things in his brain to like mm. let the visor like talk to his brain. Okay. Doesn't have robot eyes. I forget okay. the point that Data's trying to make in that. I think the point was just like, well, what does it mean to be a robot? Because Jordy's got fucking robot eyes. Yeah, I like, think that was the point. Yeah, Data's artificially enhanced. So is Jordy. But yeah. they can't like, because Jordy's got robot eyes, that doesn't mean that they can just take away his yeah. eyes. So I think that was want. the point of it. But then like hearing that and then coming here, I was like, wait a minute. Jordy just actually has normal eyes that are that he can't see out of. Mm-hmm. Just kind of threw me off. Which, that was just mostly I, it. I don't remember. Is it in this episode? It might be another one where the Romulan is like, they let you live? like Oh, yeah, that is this episode. He's talking about, like... I, I I somehow missed that when I was watching this. Yeah. So and then Jordy, of course, is like, well, fucking course they let yeah, me live, Yeah, of course they asshole. let me live. What are you talking about? <laughs> Which, yeah. So Romulans, I guess, are kind of like Spartans. You know? mm-hmm. They're like, if you have any imperfections, we're going to yep. throw you in a pile of dead babies. Mm-hmm. Like in the movie 300. Yep. So Jordy and the Romulan team up and uh, get to the beam point. Mm-hmm. At which point we cut over to the ship yeah, where Picard has just told Tomalock that uh, the guy, the other Romulan, has died mm-hmm. in their care. And so Tomalock. Which he's stressed out about. And I didn't think about this. Just like, we can't have a Romulan die in our hands. Yeah, because then they'll be like, oh, you killed him, you assholes. Like, yeah. You tortured him to death. Mm-hmm. It's like, why wouldn't you? We mm-hmm. would do that to you. Yeah. And so they're about, they're like literally like their shields are both up and they're like have their weapons powered. And then, yeah, Jordy and the Romulan. Are yeah. Like, well, yeah. Picard's just like, well, he, well, he makes a gamble because he doesn't know there's a Romulan. I was like, well, we, oh, yeah, that's he just true. knows there's two people. I was like, well, I'm just, I don't know who it is. I'm just going to tell them it's another Romulan. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, we got another one of your men on your one-man ship down here. Uh, if you want him back, don't shoot. I know you can't trust me, but uh, I, I'll do it first. My shields are down because mm-hmm. I got to beam him up. And another just like solid like Picard is like so – I mean, he makes a great gamble but also is like – this is morally what's right. Like we should put our shields down to save these people, mm-hmm. even though it puts us in danger as well. It's like, yep. ah, damn it, Picard. You are so fucking right. Yep. So they beam him up and then, uh, is he correct? Yeah. He's right. It's a Romulan like, majority, which I don't remember there being a reaction. I'm just like, holy shit. I was right. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I mean, when you're Picard, you, you got some confidence. Or maybe in anyone else on the crew was like, wow, he was right. That would be funny if they like, you just have, I'm surprised. Sometimes they do like cut away to like Riker and Worf like giving each other a look like, holy shit. But <laughs> they did not do that at this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I also think it was funny that they were like, bring him right to the bridge, which kind of makes sense. But also, I mean, that's where the it's transmission so is coming from. <laughs> like, you suddenly get saved from a zap planet, mm-hmm. thunder zap planet, and you're like, oh, hi, hi, everybody. Like, hi, everyone's like, we're not here to kill you. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and Jordy's like, yeah, you better not. And they're like, well, yeah, we're, we're not going to. Yeah, no, it's like, it's fine. You can trust him. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah. Yeah. Then they give back the other guy and they're like, well, we won't do anything today. Like any Romulan mm-hmm. headbutting. That's pretty much how it ends. Yeah. Another really good episode. I'm glad. I I, th- I like that one too. Kind of shows you a little bit more about Worf, a little more about Jordy. Mm-hmm. You get some good Picard like. Mm-hmm. Yep. Captaining in there. Mm-hmm. Get some good Beverly Crusher. Mm-hmm. Trying to think I don't think I like this episode as much as the last one, but I do like it. Measure of a Man is is definitely one of the, the best TNG episode, episodes, mm. honestly. Um, should we move on to the third one? Yeah. 
All right. Let's third do. one is season four, episode 14, Clues. Mm-hmm. I think this one is the most fun episode for me. I would agree. I, I really like this one. I This is the one that I did not get to watch. Okay. So I might have forgotten more about this one than the okay. other ones. That's fine. Uh, after passing through a wormhole, the crew uncovers clues that they were unconscious for more than the 30 seconds they were led to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this episode starts off uh, a little bit it's a little bit of a monologue, I, I guess that they all do, from Picard, saying like, we completed our mission early, so people got some time oh, off. His, his uh, captain's log. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is where... I was led to believe that the episode was going to be a little different due to the thumbnail. Because the beginning part, you know, it shows like everyone's getting like some more leisurely time. Uh, it starts off pretty much with like a lot of the crew doing Tai Chi. Oh, yeah, that is the thumbnail for this and one. And so I thought like, wow, this is going to be a wacky episode where like. Which uh, there are wacky episodes. It's like, oh, wow, they were unconscious for more than 30 seconds, and then Worf did karate during this <laughs> unconscious time. That's what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> Turns out, no, that was just them in their leisure time, mm-hmm. and that has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. No, they that is one of the things, though, that I feel like does make this universe feel like lived in. They're like, look at this thing that's just happening, and it's not even super important. We yep. just have the time to bullshit in around right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the episode starts off with just like, hey, we've got some free time. You see some folks just like hanging out, just like doing some Tai Chi, putting some, I don't know, whatever. Uh, and then here is where I have another question for you, Paul. Okay. What is the purpose of the holodeck? It is basically a thing that you can use to relax. Basically, you can do whatever you want. Sometimes they use it to train. Other times they use it on their time off, just as like watching a movie okay, or reading a book. I wasn't sure because I was under the impression that the holodeck was for like very utilitarian practical needs. And so I thought it was funny with how the episode opens where you see Whoopi Goldberg walk into like a 1920s noir PI detective office. Oh, with Picard being Dixon Hill? Yeah. Yeah. So that is a, I forgot about uh, this. I wish I had seen it because of. This opening would have been very funny. Yeah. Picard, those are things like called hollow novels, which is essentially where you get to play out a role in a book. Okay. Because I was just like, wow, fucking Picard's a goddamn RP nerd. Yeah. No, essentially, yeah. It's and just, I thought that was so funny how into it he was. Like, this is fun. Yeah. He loves VR, dude. He really does. It's like VR times a million. And I was just curious, like, what is the deck for? Can you use it? For fun? Yeah. No, you, you, you like, literally book time on it and okay. you be like, I reserved the holodeck for these two hours and I'm going to play my dumb game. Okay, great. I just wasn't sure like it, because again, it's like you're on like a military ship. I just didn't mm. think that you could use it for recreational purposes. Oh yeah. It's just like a TV. Great. Yeah. Perfect. Um, there Question are, answered. <laughs> in Deep Space Nine, um, there is a, like a casino bar that has holodo- holodecks and you can rent them out and there are very overtly implied, like, yeah, you go have sex with people and like you can just, it's like sexual and debauchery just wow all over the place. So you know that uh, some people, probably Riker, is getting pretty horny <laughs> up in those holodecks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Picard's just like playing his detective game. He's playing L.A. Noir. <laughs> yeah, essentially. He's pretty much playing L.A. Noir. big in like the first three or four seasons. Like he does that a couple of times. Yeah. And, you know, of course, a big trope is that the holodeck is malfunctioning and it's like, turns out it's real. Oh, I didn't know that was a trope. actually hurt you in there. Oh, but that's not in this episode. Um, yeah, because 
Whoopi Goldberg comes in and she's like, what the hell is going on? I'm, oh yeah, that's right. I'm, <laughs> she somehow doesn't realize what's going on. Mm-hmm. She's like, walks in and she's really confused. Like, I guess I'm supposed to be helping him play his game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's just, is really she's conf- a real mom about it. She's, she's just like, like okay. really confused. It's like, it's walk- like, he has told you for sure what's going on. If you're in costume, like he has probably told you what to expect. Yeah. Um, or does it make the costume for you? And she's just walking in in her normal clothing. No, you have to make, you have to get the costume before because <laughs> That's really funny. they will show them like outside the holodeck, like getting ready to go in and they're in their outfits, like ready to go being like, sorry, I had to get dressed and stuff like that. Oh, that's really funny. But a replicator can make you almost literally anything. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so she's, she's confused. She walks in. It's like, what the hell's going on? Um, and Picard's like, well, it's a mystery. You got to figure out all these things. Like, who is this guy? Who's coming to kill him? Where's the money? It's all about, we got to find the clues. And it's like, oh, look at the setup to this episode. Uh, yeah. Definitely a little bit more over the top than, mm-hmm. than sometimes. Yep. So he gets like a, he gets a call from, uh, in, in the holodeck, he gets a call on his phone from Data. I mean, like, hey, I didn't want to disrupt you. And I figured this was a nice way to let you know that uh, we've got an all, we've got something like outside the ship. You want to come see it? It's like, eh, I guess so. Uh, so he Which comes, is, is pretty funny. So he, the uh-huh. so he goes to the bridge and they're like, here's a planet. I don't remember what the issue was with the planet, but they're like, it's well, kind of weird. Yeah, I think there was like a wormhole or something around the planet is what they go for, right? Or let me look into, I've got the yeah. description. I, wanted, I don't remember, because I, I thought that like there wasn't supposed to be a planet there. Oh, uh Probably. So the Enterprise investigates a T-Tari class star system with a single class M planet that was picked up on long range sensor scan near the Endgame Nebula. But they, as they approach the planet, the ship encounters a wormhole and everybody, because I think you're right that there was no record of this planet or something like that. And they're mm-hmm. like, that's weird. We should check that out. And so as they approach the planet, they encounter a wormhole and everybody except for Data briefly loses consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they're like... uh all right, well, that's weird. And then see this wormhole, and then they're talking about the wormhole. It's like, well, should we go around it? Should we go through it? What do we do? And then while they're discussing this, the wormhole just sucks them up. Mm-hmm. And then uh, as wormholes will do, as they do. And then I think I think it like cuts to data, and then like I don't know some shaking or whatever, and then cuts to the whole bridge. And I just love thinking about. Everyone getting into their positions for this part of the, the scene. Everybody falls asleep. Everyone is just like very dramatically just like splayed out on the floor and on their like stations and their equipment. And it just looks so goofy. Mm-hmm. I just think if you actually fell asleep, you would probably just be more like. Yeah, mm-hmm. it would. Your head would just be down, right? You wouldn't like go like. Huh, it, oh, right. Oh, it, I'm asleep it looked, now. It kind of looked like they went into warp speed and didn't have their seat belts on or something, <laughs> and like the gravity was turned off, and mm-hmm. they all just kind of like, they're just like I don't know. It's, it's it just looks unnatural. Oh yeah. But I just love thinking about all right. Your position, your blocking is here on the floor, kind of like a starfish, and uh, like Mr. Stewart, you just need to like. Arms spread out, head right over the the command console. It's like it, lo- it just looks very weird. Yeah, it is pretty unnatural. Um, let's see. And so uh, everybody wakes up pretty pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yep, and they're like, "What the hell happened? Oh, it's a the worm." Data says it was a wormhole. How long have you been conscious? Just thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. It's like, and it transported us like to a different like 
time. We got a whole, we got a day's worth of travel in 30 seconds. That's weird. Mm-hmm. There's so, clue number one. Yeah. And Data's like, it is weird. Oh, well. And Let's so, just go on our way. Yeah. Which Data just tells everybody, yeah, nothing's wrong. I yeah. figured it all out. Don't you worry. It's all fine. This is what happened. And I think you're all okay. And then mm-hmm. that's pretty much it. And then they all go about their business mm-hmm. until Dr. Crusher. Dr. Crusher's like, what? the fuck is going on here? Yeah, she has planted or grown some sort of... Some kind of moss. Yeah, some sort like of Like little capsules. Mm-hmm. Um, and we learn with like the little moss is that like they've experienced one day's worth of growth mm-hmm. in this supposed, you know, it's been a time, it's been some time. So it's probably been like maybe like an hour, you know, between like, oh, there is a wormhole and all right, well... I guess I'm up and going back to my job. Mm-hmm. And then like... She's like, wait, but this wormhole wouldn't have affected these plants individually. Yeah, right? Because they're they're talking about like, well, what, like, there's no way, there's no way it could have grown like this, right? Because it's, this is a day's worth of, of growth in all my, in all my little moss capsules. It's not, it hasn't even been a day yet, mm-hmm. you know? Like, well, maybe you have like a, like a, like a mutated one, right? That has like fast growth, but like, okay, sure, one, but not all of them. Yeah. And I was like, this oh. doesn't feel right. Very curious. We have ourselves a, what did he, what the, what did they call them? Mini mystery or I don't minor know. mystery? A it was minor, a minor mystery. A minor mystery on our hands. Mm-hmm. And so like as the episode progresses, like more of these like inconsistencies uh yeah, start popping up. Start to show up. I don't remember what the next one uh I don't was. remember either. Let me see if the uh thing. Okay. So I, I will like Right, right off the bat, right here. I did not write a lot of these down because I was just, I was just watching the episode. Good, I, I love that. I didn't write anything. I was like, oh yeah, all right. What, what are they going to find out next? Oh, that. So I didn't write anything down. I'm so glad to hear you say that, Josh. Um, so let's see. When the crew regains consciousness, some of the ship's sensors suggest it has been nearly a day since the wormhole encounter. But Data says that they were out for only a few moments. Um, and then Picard sends a probe to the system. So oh, that's no right. They send a probe. Like, well, we still have to figure out what's up with this planet. Mm-hmm. So they send a probe out. And apparently it's only a frozen gas giant. Mm-hmm. It's not even the Class M planet. Yep. It's like, wow, that's that's the other inconsistency. It's like, wow, that's weird. It's weird that, like, our systems would say this is a Class M planet, but turns out it's just this other planet instead. When all of the systems diagnostics say that there's nothing wrong with the ship, there's nothing wrong with, like, any of the sensors or systems. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know why... It would say this is different. Yeah. So Data just says, ah, that's the wormhole. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and so then uh, they keep finding evidence. Dr. Crusher found the moss samples show a full day of growth. Um, and then Worf, uh, who has been complaining of a sore wrist, actually had his wrist broken and reset by a medical professional during that day. So they were like, well, this is impossible that he broke his wrist in the fall and then somebody reset it in 30 seconds Mm-hmm. And then they woke up and it was fine. So, yep. like, so that's very suspicious. Um, so Picard begins to think that Data is um, actually lying. Yep. So they they they're like, Data's not being clear on a few things. They're like, well, let's let's bring Data here into this like meeting. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, Data, what do you think? Like, what do you think is happening? He's like, all right. He gives this answer, which I don't remember what it is. Well, he just gives, this says that uh, Data gives irrational. Or an unra- in oh no, data cannot provide a rational answer. Yeah, so he just kind of like says some stuff, and then then Picard's like, uh, 
Well, thanks for the input. Uh, I also promised this person that uh, you'd help them do this thing, so you can go help them. And then he leaves and like, all right, what does everyone think about Data's answer? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't believe it. I was like, yeah. well, Data, we have no reason to believe Data would lie. Yeah, because he's been their great friend. Like, why is he going to lie to us about yeah. it? I was like, well, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, Data's essentially perfect. Mm-hmm. So, um, And then they find evidence, apparently, that uh, Data tampered with the probe's readings to mask that Class M planet. Class M being, like, Earth, like, with mm. an atmosphere. Um, and so they're like, well, fuck. So Picard apparently recognizes that uh, Data's actions may be for the protection of the Enterprise, but he instead orders the ship to return to that very same system. Yep. So other inconsistencies that they find, like... Uh, they like check the ship's like somewhat like maybe it's chronometer or some other kind of system. Mm-hmm. Um, so like he talks to Jordy, he's like, "Hey, can you like find out some of this like stuff on the ship?" And he's like, "Sure, I can go do that." So like he goes to he goes to where he sent data, um, and you see him just like putting his little light pen to a panel, <laughs> just, you know, doing some sci-fi work, and he's making little noises with it. He's like, yeah, it's like, "Data, you don't need to do that." I know, but. I've often read that humans like to make noises when they do these things as a form of entertainment. Especially in science fiction scenarios. Mm-hmm. So he's like, hey, uh, Picard, why don't you on a bridge? I'll take it over from here. And he, Jordy takes over and he's like, hey, other guy that isn't on screen, <laughs> I need your help uh, with some other stuff. So they go and check out these ships, like internal systems. Mm-hmm. And then he finds out like, yes, turns out this has been tampered with. The problem is that the only people that can tamper with this are me and Data. I'm like, well, how curious. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like they're starting to piece all of these things together. And then, uh, yeah, they go like, well, let's just go back. Yeah. And see what the hell's going on here. So they go back. Mm-hmm. And then uh, suddenly Doctor, or not Doctor, uh, Troy, who I guess we haven't talked about Troy at all either. No, she's the counselor. What's her role? So she is, yeah, the ship's counselor, which is exactly... What you'd imagine when you hear counselor, like she just like often has like appointments with people and like gives them therapy. Um, And she hangs out on the bridge? Well, she is also like a super strong empath and can kind of read minds. So Picard has found it's useful to be like, oh, if you can read minds, I want you next to me. Whenever there's like an enemy ship, you can be like, yeah, they're going to kill us like right now. Like, so put your shields up. Okay. Because I was wondering, because there's a point in this episode where like he's asking about the status of everyone and then she's just like... Cruz seems to feel good. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the hell? Yeah. How do you know this? She's a beta. She's half betazoid, so she can get a betazoid. Sit- yeah, that's the species names. <laughs> what a wacky name. Yeah. So, uh, nor like full betazoids can like legitimately like read minds and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but she's half, so she can sense like feelings very strongly and then mentally communicate with other betazoids. Okay. So that's why she, when like he's like, "How's the crew feeling?" She's like, mm, "Yeah, like this." Okay, great. Like as you would smell a piece of turkey great josh <laughs> wonderful analogy yeah um so yeah so what about troy uh so she gets taken over all of a sudden by a mysterious energy well pulse. she she like at, at some point she like gets dizzy and was like do you want it like you feeling okay i think i'm fine i'm gonna go back to my room mm-hmm. um she goes back to her room oh that's she right she screams right. Worf is like what the fuck goes into her room and then she uh was like i looked in the mirror and I saw me, but it wasn't me. Mm. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Um, and then, like, I think some of those other ship events happen. And then um, 
when they return, there's like this energy cloud. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? The energy cloud's sending a thing. Uh, it's like it, pen- it's like it didn't affect our shields. And then she gets taken over by a by the energy cloud by the Paxson, as we learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she comes to the bridge. Is she on the bridge? She was in her quarters, and then she comes. She and comes, then she up comes the into the bridge, and then she, she says in like her weird deep voice, like, "You guys, what the fuck? This didn't work. This Your didn't, plan didn't Dana, work. Dana, what the hell? This didn't work." Uh huh. And so they find out that um, essentially, in at this class M planet was this group of xenophobic aliens who did not want to be discovered. They didn't want to be discovered, and so they put up a planet. I can I. So since I didn't see this one, I don't really. Remember. I want to say, and I might be remembering wrong, but like, they 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 just created this illusion of a planet in order to hide themselves. But why put up a planet? Yeah, why not that put seems up something inc- else that's not investigable? Why not just be an innocuous energy cloud? Why mm-hmm. do you have to put up a planet after countless civilizations have probably mapped the stars, and you're just like, well, let's add one that they didn't map. <laughs> So that they don't so that, suspect anything. Yeah, it seems wildly stupid. It does. Which I guess they're xenophobic, so they're probably not that smart. No, that's true. Um, but yeah, so they're basically like, we came up with this plan before where we were going to erase all of your memories of this. Yep. We couldn't erase Data's, so yep. Data was going yep. to just pretend like everything's fine. Um, but you guys, we left too many inconsistencies, apparently, um, and holes in the story where you guys all got too curious and figured it out, and now I'm going to kill you all. Mm-hmm. Well, I we like go to a flashback scene, right? Of like when they all like lost consciousness, and Data's like, "Well, I revived all of you," and then uh, we were like approached by the Paxons, and then they're like, uh, "You can't know about us. No one can know about us, and because you know about us, we're gonna fucking kill you." And then just like incredibly off the cuff, as like no plan, Carl's like, "Wait a minute." I have an idea. Just like he immediately comes up with this like, wait a minute. How about we do this instead? How about you make us forget? <laughs> and then we'll just pretend this never happened. And I can't believe that that was his first option. Yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a weird choice. Yeah. He makes, I think anyways, he makes a, a much better observation the second time when they're like, we're going to kill you now. When he's like, well, if you kill us, you know that a bunch of people are going to come investigate why we died. Right? I think that was the first time. Oh, maybe that is like, the first time. Yeah, it's like, well, you can't kill us because, you know, we're an important spaceship. Yeah, we're like the flagship of our people. Yeah. We're, you're, if you out. destroy us, people will come here because there's technology that will do that. I'm like, okay, well, how about you just make us forget and we'll be on our merry way? And I, I still can't believe that that was the first option. And they went with it. Yeah. They're like, all right. And then it turns out, well, look, it didn't work. And then he he's like, well, let's try it again. Uh-huh. But this time we'll just fix all these holes. It's like, <laughs> what? Yeah. And he like, my, my favorite thing too is like another thing of how loyal Data is to Picard is like Picard like orders Data. He's like, you cannot tell us what happened here. Mm-hmm. And then Data's like, okay. And so then he doesn't. I love that twist though. Just like, you know, because this whole time Data's being like, I can't say. I cannot give you answers to anything, to mm-hmm. like any of your questions. Like you would rather risk your career than tell me what the hell happened. Like, and then he just, I think he just leaves. Well, like, yeah. He doesn't like give an answer. And then like when he finally was like, like what the hell's going on? I was like, who gave you these orders to like keep your mouth shut? I was like you did. Mm-hmm. I love that. that like, it is a really cool scene. What and a Picard's great answer. Like, what? Like what the fuck? Yeah. It really is, and especially just watching that, not knowing what's happening. You're like, How, what? How I do you do that? I am particularly a sucker for like really interesting t- 
time loop kind of things like that. Mm, okay, good to know. Um, it's kind of like as a little tangent. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Endwalker lately, mm-hmm. and there's a very, very fun little like time loop kind of thing where like you get sent back in time. Um, I don't imagine anyone is playing Endwalker, but if you are playing Endwalker, uh, don't listen to this part. It's very <laughs> spoilery. Um, but there's a part where you go back in time and you are, you're like incorporeal, but then you're given a corporeal form and you're told like, don't change anything because like you can't like, don't change anything because whatever you do will affect what happens in the future. Mm-hmm. Right. But then as it turns out, you know, the actions that you do don't matter because your actions are actions that have already happened mm-hmm. and your actions are the reason that the things are now, mm-hmm. but you only went back in time because you needed the information from that time. And it's like really interesting. Like, okay, like anything that you would have done wouldn't have mattered because those are the things that you have already done, yeah. but you didn't know you did those things. Right. And then they also include very fittingly, like a nice memory erasure thing. So that wow. when you, because you later meet characters in the past in a different expansion before this one, and they don't remember you, there are characters like, you seem familiar, but I don't know why. And it turns out because you met all of them already during their time. It's like wow. a really fun, just like time loop kind of thing. And I really enjoyed it. That is kind of confusing, but I do also enjoy time stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's very fun. Yeah. And Star Trek has a lot of that. Cool. Yeah. So like, well, I guess we'll just... Endwalker spoilers are done. Uh, so they're like, okay, well, let us try again. And <laughs> surprisingly, you're like, okay, I'll give you a second chance. Uh-huh, yeah. Which I guess, yeah, these people are probably just like, well, we do have no fucking choice because otherwise if we kill you, those people will come mm-hmm. investigate. So, yeah. Yep. So uh, they, like, <laughs> he's like, all right, everyone, these were the plot holes. Let's fix them up and let's try it again. <laughs> That was dress rehearsal, and this is the real thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely you see the Shakespearean director come out in Patrick Stewart <laughs> yeah. at that point. Yep. Uh, so they do the whole thing over again. They run through the exact thing. They're like, what happened? I was like, uh, wormhole, sir. Uh, we were out for 30 seconds. And they're like, mm-hmm. where are we? We're here. And then I think Data just learns, like, I'm just going to be a little bit more vague. This is what happened. I don't think we should go back. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, he's basically like, be a bad idea. We could die over there. Yeah. And then Picard's like, seems good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to where we are going to go anyway. And then I, if data had lungs, he would just be breathing out the biggest sigh of relief. <sighs> well, they do. They even like zoom in on him, right? Like at the end, they like, yeah, zoom in and data's just like, you can just see, well, I just feel like you can just, you can, you could feel the relief in data's like, thank God I don't have to do this again. <laughs> and I can forget all about this. Yeah. But those are the three episodes. Those are the three ones. I enjoyed them a lot. I'm glad. I'm glad. the I, I did. So I went onto like the Star Trek subreddit and like looked for people who had asked like, what are the best Star Trek episodes for a beginner? And I, I also like put in my own thoughts to this one. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that you liked them. Yeah, they were really good. I mean, as far as like whether or not I would continue watching Star Trek, I think I would watch it in the capacity of like best ofs. Oh, okay. That's fair. There you know, are like, a lot of bad episodes. I don't necessarily want to watch the episodes where it's like, well, the writer's room couldn't think of anything, and this is the best that they could come up with this week. Mm-hmm. I don't really need to watch those ones. I would watch much rather just like, here's a list of ones you should watch. I can I can put together a list for you if you like. Mm. Just ones that you can watch if you want to. Yeah. 
That's a, I I would be more like I don't think I need I don't want to really watch all of it, but I would watch the I would watch the standout ones, right? Yeah. You know, of, of which there are, there are a good chunk that are just like fantastic to mm-hmm. to balance out the ones that are <laughs> really really bad. <laughs> like yeah. there's there's one where um somehow Dr. Crusher falls in love with like a ghost that used to have sex with her grandmother. Wow. And how fun. Like, it's weird. I think that's also part of it too, right? Is I really like the ideas behind a lot of because it's episodic and there's not necessarily like an overarching, I don't know if there is an overarching plot or like narrative through line that they're trying to get through. Mm-hmm. Um but I think just being able to come up like, like, well, what if what if we did this? I think I I just love that nature of how open-ended Star Trek can be and that you're given the freedom to kind of explore those ideas. Yeah. You're not confined to be like, well, but this doesn't relate back to this one storyline. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, which is honestly, yeah, a thing that I do miss with a lot of TV shows now. Yeah, everything has kind of just have to be like, nowadays everything is just like, we it has to be prestige TV and mm-hmm. it has to be, you know, just an, a long narrative throughout the entire thing, which they're good, but also just like, I... Sometimes, yeah, it's fun to have like a goofy episode. Yeah. It's like, oh, this doesn't really impact anything, but it was but, still fun to watch and interesting. Mm-hmm. But I think that's just because of TV models now, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no channel surfing anymore. Yeah. You're not going to just flip like, oh, well, I guess Star Trek's on. I'll watch, I'll watch it. One. Yeah. No, you got to be like, well, I'm going to start this episode of this series and go to the end. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I'm glad that you liked Star Trek, Josh. I think, yeah, these were, uh, I think these might have been the first... Uh, TNG episodes I've seen. Oh wow! So I've seen I've seen a handful of um, the original Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen any of the other Star Treks. I will so. say if if you were like wanting to watch one all the way through, the one that you should watch all the way through is Deep Space Nine. That one's got the best like overall storyline. Mm, okay, but TNG is my favorite because the episodes and the characters are just so they're classic and they definitely. I mean, yeah, Picard so good. Data is awesome. I love I love it. It's so good. That's all I can really say about it. Wow. Yeah, but I enjoyed it. there's a lot of stinkers too. So <laughs> I, I would not recommend you if, like to you or to anybody um, listening to this, if you're thinking about watching Star Trek, if you do go from the beginning, which is fine, like there's some good episodes in the first season and the second season. For the most part though, they're not very good. <laughs> um, and the characters aren't super fleshed out as well. And there's some racist ones and some sexist ones. So in season three, it really picks up and granted there's still stinkers all the way through, but that's where, that's where it really, really gets going. Cool. Mm-hmm. Did we rate these last time? I don't remember. It's been a long time since we've recorded the last one. Yeah. I don't remember. I think it was probably just like, will you keep watching? This? Yeah. I would, I would keep watching this, uh, but only from a curated list. Fair enough. Would you like me to get one of those to you or not? Mm. You could also, if you just mm. Google best Star Trek Next Generation yeah, episodes, I could probably just it'll do that. give you the same stuff. Okay. Well, maybe I'll just do that if I ever feel like it. Uh, well, that's it. That's the second entry of the three episode rule. Yeah. Should we rate them out of three episodes? <laughs> like three out of three episodes. I'm going to give these three out of three episodes. Oh, hell yeah. Well, I'm going to give these two and a half, actually. Two and a half. I think, I think the, the enemy, I think the... I think it just, there's just something, I think it was just paced weird for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just seemed a little slower for me. Sure. Um, where I didn't like that one as much. 
So, um, yeah, two and a half. Two and a half out of three episodes. Okay. I will say, I just want to say last thing, just as encouragement for you, you should watch the ep- first episode with the Borg, maybe. Any of the Borg episodes, honestly. Those are cube things, right? Yeah. They're like a legitimately pretty scary enemy for Star Trek. Mm. All right. Much scarier than the Romulans. <laughs> <laughs> just guys in poofy coats. Mm-hmm. And with funny eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Um, Yeah. I don't know when we'll do the next one. At some point. Yeah, Josh will show me something. I will present Paul with some kind of anime. Oh. That's it for this one. Uh, thank you for supporting us on Patreon. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Nostalgia Entertainment System, brought to you by listeners like Joe.